Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And as Julie said, if you're here for the first time or you've come uh, to support a friend that's being baptised this morning, then a particularly warm welcome. Um, Again, we're conscious of time. We're conscious that you may have things planned later in the day. And so uh, don't uh, worry. We're going to just pull the word in a little bit in terms of time. And uh, then we'll be moving on uh, after Julie shared one or two more uh, announcements with the baptisms. But I just encourage you for the next few minutes to lean in. You may be a believer, you may not be. uh, But the reality is that the word of God creates faith in our lives. And so if I can say respectfully this morning, this is not a talk, it's not a chat, it's not a a lecture, uh, it's not a tutorial. It's the word of God being ministered. The word of God coming through somebody to you. And uh, there are people all across this room that have been changed by the word of God. It may have been that they came to a service at Arena. It may be that they read something. It may be that they saw something on the TV or heard something uh, on, uh, on uh, all the channels of communication in these days. But something came to drop into our hearts that changed us forever. And over the last uh, uh, couple of weeks as we've led up to this special day, we've been trying to wrestle with this question of who is... Uh, this man and I just want to briefly recap because we were reminded two weeks ago that this man is a friend of sinners Uh, and uh, he really is still today and then last week we uh, looked at the fact that somebody confessed at the foot of the cross when Jesus died surely uh, this is the son of God so the God man the man God and uh, we, we, we took for a few moments that journey of Jesus in what we call Holy Week from his adoration on Palm Sunday to his humiliation on Good Friday. And there were various things that took place uh, during that time. If you were with us on Good Friday, a great reflective service just a couple of days ago, Tim led us in a reflection of the cross and reminded us that God did this for all of us. Uh, Whether we think we're good enough or not, whether we think that we uh, uh, have been pretty moral or or whatever, uh, the reality is that every one of us had missed the mark and therefore we needed... Uh, a holy God to pay a price on our behalf and that exactly what the cross did it bridged that great chasm between us and God and we could be friends with him and so this morning unsurprisingly as we conclude this series on who is the man we're going to look for a few moments on the fact as Julia and the guys have led us in worship that not only uh, was the, uh, the the son of man that gave his life on a cross and died but also that he is the glorious risen saviour that rose again from the dead. So here's our, our resurrection verse this morning that's going to come up on the screen. It's from what we call the resurrection chapter. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That text is found in the New Testament of the Bible. And if you read 1 Corinthians 15, we don't have time this morning and we don't have time to open it up, but you'll find that Uh, Paul, one of the great teachers of the day, was challenging some of these people because they were denying or doubting that Jesus had risen from the dead. And he articulates an argument almost like building a pack of cards. And eventually it comes tumbling down with that word, but, because he said, if if Jesus isn't risen, uh, your faith is dead, your preaching is useless, you're wasting your time, and you've only hoped for this life. But he's been risen from the dead. And as Julie reminded us, all those things change. 
Now, just this last week, the BBC, who else, conducted a poll regarding religious belief. Let me just say, uh, I sort of love and hate the BBC at the same time. I don't know, you know, I sort of grew up with it. Um, to, so, you know, it does so many things, and then I'm, I'm throwing my tea at it almost at times uh, because of some of its, its stuff where it goes. I think some of you may get that. But just to say that on Good Friday morning, some of you may be able to catch it on iPlayer or whatever. There was a super program on uh, regarding the Easter journey, the Easter story that was uh, pulled together by Gareth Malone, who's not a believer, the choir man. Um, some of you know it. But a great story, some great confessions on the cross. I said to Sharon, is this the BBC allowing this? You know, because it was just brilliant. And uh, the follow-up to that, the sequel is this morning, where they're going to also look at the resurrection. So if you can catch that, big tick for the BBC. Well done. Over Easter. And uh, you'll be blessed if you watch it. Um, but they conducted this poll. And uh, here's the, uh, what they came up with. They claim that 46% of people that claim to be Christian in the United Kingdom said this. The resurrection uh, is not a key tenant of the Christian faith. Yikes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me, let me go back. 46% of people did say that the resurrection of Jesus was a key tenant to the Christian faith. Yikes, 54% didn't believe it. I don't know where they got that figure from. But also it went on to say that 25% of people that were polled across believers, non-believers, didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That probably reflects a more secular, humanistic, uh, reversionist day in which we live. But the reality is, friends, this morning, that without the resurrection of Jesus, uh, we really wouldn't have a faith. Now, in response to this poll, one religious commentator said, well, the problem is with people responding like that, it doesn't make sense. To which I reply, exactly, it's called a miracle. (laughs) Who knows that miracles don't make sense? Walking on water does not make sense. Turning water into wine does not make sense. Healing people that have been bound for years does not make sense. And the God man, the man God, who was dead on the third day rose from the dead. He doesn't make sense, but we believe it. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I read again Matthew 27 uh, just this morning and uh, the Roman authorities were twitchy because they said, well, the disciples might try and steal the body. So let's put an extra seal on the stone and, an, and a Roman guard. And then we get to Matthew 28 where it says, angels came. And we're reminded that angels were stayed on Friday. But on, on Easter Sunday they came and uh, the, the, the Roman guard was stunned. stunned, the, the, stunned the, 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 the stone was rolled away and the risen saviour was alive forevermore. I'm sorry if that poll is a little bit dispiriting to some of you. Or it may be that you're here this morning and you're part of that cynical, doubtful, I don't really believe all this. I'm just coming because my mum or my dad asked me to come this morning or my mate's getting baptised. And we understand all of that. And we want to say that you're welcome to receive as God just washes over you today. Uh, It may be that you want time for what we call an apologetic, not apologising, but an apologetic, which is... Uh, a thorough explanation, a time to discuss. So let me underscore May the 1st and sign in for the Alpha course. 
because you will have room and time to do all of that. And our leaders will take you through it and you'll be blessed. Let me just say that apologetics always has a limitation. It can create a climate for faith, but you've got to step into faith. You've got to step into it. I'll come back to that in a moment, particularly if you're a thinker and you like to work all things through. I'll give you a little example. But if you don't mind this morning for the next few minutes, I want just to preach into the conviction and assurance that I personally carry as a Christian. And that is the underlying heart of Arena Church. It's what makes us tick every week. We don't just live in the reality of Easter on Easter morning. We live in it every week. It's why we do what we do. And this morning, I want just to encourage us that around the earth today, without cynicism, without doubt, with a great sense of conviction, here's the confession that's rebounding through millions of people. It goes something like this. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And the people respond, hallelujah. Well, that was the trial God. I want a big hallelujah in a minute, okay? Because the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed. Brilliant. So let me put three words upon the board for you as we just move into the next part. You see, here's three things that I think are absolutely vital regarding the resurrection. Number one, it's foundational. John Stott was a a brilliant uh, evangelical Christian Anglican leader, uh, was well into his 90s before he passed away. And John Stott says that Christianity, in essence, is a resurrection religion. The truth is at its heart. Remove it and Christianity is destroyed, which is why, of course, many people oppose it. And then uh, resurrection is essential. One former Archbishop of Canterbury said that the resurrection is not an extra to the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. And then it's inspirational. You see, apart from the betrayer and John who uh, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos... Every one of the other apostolic leaders that were part of Jesus' band for three and a half years gave their life for the faith. It's thought that uh, Peter was crucified upside down. It's thought that Andrew was crucified like that, hence the St. Andrew's flag of Scotland. And so we could go on. These people did not give their life on a whim or a fancy. They didn't give it by crossing fingers and hoping somehow that something had happened. They gave their life because the risen Jesus met with them, empowered them, breathed on them, and sent them into the world to make the difference. And they says, this is so true and so real. Whatever it costs, we're going to follow him. There was a song some years ago by Noel Richards that says, blood of the martyrs has made the church strong and even today as I get up and just switch the news on I I see that there's over 130 people that have been slain in Sri Lanka as uh, Hinduist extremists have attacked churches you see across the world friends it's still dangerous in places to actually follow the Jesus who we're talking about this morning but people are inspired to give everything because it is so real Now, in preparing this message this morning, I went to a little uh, uh, YouTube clip 
of a man called Lee Strobel. That's L-E-E Strobel, S-T-R-O-B-E-L. You may want to go to it later and put Lee Strobel resurrection in and you'll get a little story there. This is particularly for the thinkers amongst you. That are saying in your heart, it's all right, that guy going on here, I don't believe this. So Lee Strobel was an avowed atheist. He was somebody that took some convincing. And one day his wife came in and said, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I've become a Christian. I want to follow him. And Strobel was not happy about this and thought, well, if I can set out to destroy one of the most basic truths of the Christian faith, i.e. the resurrection, then I'm going to win the battle here against my wife who's become a Jesus follower. Now, this man was the legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, one of the most iconic and respected publications in the whole of North America. So he was used to investigation. He was used to forensic skills. He was used to uh, uh, working the argument through. And he says on the clip that he gave the next two years of his life to debunk. That's an American, debunk. That's an American term. In other words, he wanted to trash it. He wanted to trash the truth of the resurrection because he knew that it was foundational. He knew that he was essential and he knew that he was inspirational to Christian believers. If I can knock all of those things out of the park, then my wife has not got a leg to stand on. And so he gave two years of his life and uh, he did research and uh, studied very, very deeply. At the end of that time, he came to understand that non-believers in Jesus' day, forget the Bible for a moment, historically, believed that Jesus of Nazareth died on a cross. He began to look at the fact that nobody's ever produced a body. He looked at the historical gold of, uh, of uh, writings and accounts. He looked at the sources of Jesus showing himself alive. He looked at the accounts of prevailing faith through the time of history. And Lee Strobel came to a place of no longer being an atheist, but a follower and believer of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He says, when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't receive a rush of emotion. I received a rush of reason. Whoa, (laughs) it makes sense. You don't have to not be a thinker today to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, in a miraculous expression of godly power, conquered death, hell and the grave forever and ever. So as we close this morning, friends, there's three things that are going to go up on the board that to underscore the truth this morning of the preacher from the platform, of the spirit of Arena Church across our campuses, and of the Christian church in the earth. We're not here, friends, this morning because someone's brainwashed us, somebody's pushed us into a corner. We've done the journey. We've asked the questions. We've tried to do it on our own. We've realized it doesn't work. And this morning, we say without any sense of apology, with an emphatic sense of faith, I hope you can feel it in the meeting, that we really believe that Jesus Christ is alive and he's alive for any more. So let me just underscore it. Let me just underscore it with three things. Number one, the first thing, just to underscore, is an empty tomb. Nobody ever produced a body. And uh, the empty tomb. Now, seven years ago, Sharon and me, along with some of my colleagues, had the joy of being in the garden tomb in Jerusalem. 
It was a February day. It was a little bit colder than this morning, but it was a beautiful, clear day. There was a serenity in that garden that was almost touchable. And uh, this is the only place in the earth where tourists go to see nothing. Because we gaze into what was thought to be the tomb where Joseph of Arimathea laid Jesus and there was nothing there. It was empty. And nobody's ever produced a body because God raised Jesus in the power of resurrection life. And for the 40 years between resurrection and ascension, he showed himself alive by many infallible convincing proofs. On some occasions to ones and twos. And on one occasion, as Corinthians 15 reminds us, to 500 people. An empty tomb. We thank God, friends, for the risen Savior this morning, showing himself alive. Number two, a prevailing message. A prevailing message. He says in Acts 4 and 15 that God raised him from the dead. Where we are witnesses of this. Interestingly, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, you'll find that as much as the early church talked about the death of Jesus, they also had a tremendous emphasis on his resurrection. So when people were healed, they said, Whoa, don't look as though there was something about us. It was, we're, we're not the people. This happened because God used us in the resurrection life of Jesus to touch people and make them whole. Now, the message has been challenged, it's ridiculed, it's banned, it's derided. You may be at school, you may be at university, you may be at college, you may be in your works canteen, you may be on the building site. And people say, you what? Jesus risen from the dead. We understand all of that. But friends, the prevailing message 2,000 years on from when it took place He's still being declared around the earth today and people from every strata of society are responding to this amazing truth and finding that it has a life-impacting purpose within them. In Acts chapter 5, it says this, if the purpose and activity of what is taking place is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, nothing and no one will be able to stop it. And so we've had, we've had uh, dictators banning the Bible from their country. We've had people saying people can't gather in public congregations. It's still going on today. It's gone on and on and on. But this is not of human origin. This is divine. This is holy. This is God. And nothing ever is going to stop the prevailing message of Jesus being risen from the dead. <clears throat> And number three, friends, and I want you to be encouraged by this, a growing church. In week one of this series, we were reminded that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it's easy to sort of push down on the church. It's easy for the church to become an Aunt Sally because it's full of human beings. It's full of humanity. Sometimes things get said that shouldn't be said. Sometimes things get done that shouldn't be done. But the reality is, friends, the church is God's agency for change in the earth. When we get a picture of what the church is, you wouldn't want to belong to anything else. And for 2,000 years, Jesus has been building his church despite hell. 
all hell seeking to rail against it at times. He's built in his church. You know, we can gaze across Europe today. You can be sort of in any of those 50 nations in three hours max, be it France, be it Germany, be it Slovakia, Slovenia, Russia, Montenegro, wherever. And uh, there's around 750 million people that live in those 50 nations. And uh, at best, there's about 2% Jesus followership. And in some nations, it's a lot worse than that. It's the next great mission field for a move of God by the power of the Spirit. And sometimes we can look there and think, that's the church. But let me take you to Asia. Let me take you to Southern Sahara, Africa. Let me take you to Central America and the great South American nations where people are getting born again on occasions three times faster than they're being born. Jesus is building his church. He's building it in unlikely places. Did you know there's a great move of God in Iran today? You can't put it on the internet. Otherwise you're in trouble. There's a great move of God, friends, uh, amongst some of the strongly Islamic nations where imams are coming to Christ because the risen Christ is confronting them in the power of his presence and doing amazing, amazing things. He's building his church today despite us. If you're a cynic by the church, if you've been hurt by the church, if you're someone that loves to take pot shots in it, I'm praying you're going to get healed today. You're going to get healed in your heart. You're going to move on. You're going to freshly commit to God's agency for change in the earth. You're going to be a vital part of his community, wherever that be, this church or another church. And you're going to see God using you, despite you, to build his church. And then he's building his church in the face of opposition. Here's what Pete Gregg, the leader of 24-7 prayer movement said. He says, today, more than one billion, not million, more than one billion people will gather to worship Jesus, to learn from the Bible, to conspire for a better world. They'll meet in cathedrals, probably not Notre Dame, but anyway. They will meet in cathedrals, churches, warehouses, bars, homes, and often in secret. 245 million people in the earth, friends, persecuted simply for being a Christian. And they'll meet, friends, today uh, to worship the Lord Jesus. And Greg says, we are a vast, ancient, revolutionary movement of love. That's the church. That's the church that Jesus is building in the earth. And today we have people being baptized. What a day to get baptized. Because as we think of death and third day resurrection, in a moment, seven of our friends are going to be baptized. We believe in believers' baptism. We're respectful of traditions across the church of Jesus Christ. But in arena, we believe in believers' baptism. And this, uh, in a few moments, uh, the people helping with the baptism will lower people down, a public sign of their death to sin and the old life and a rising to newness of life in Jesus Christ. Not perfection, but a journey. A journey. We're still all on a journey of being more and more like Jesus. And when these people get baptized, I want you to hoot and holler and cheer and just encourage them on because we've got an age rage, we've got different journeys and you'll just get a little snapshot of all of that in a few moments. But we celebrate baptism as a great expression of the Easter story. And as I close... My final verse, 
1 Corinthians 15, 58. If you see a therefore in the Bible, look what it's there for. And it's therefore because the first 57 verses are talking about the resurrection. And uh, this is a slightly different translation to some that you may have. But he says, therefore, my dear friends, stand your grounds. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is ever a waste of time or effort. This morning, friends, we believe it with a passion. We live it every week of our lives. We thank God for the opportunity this morning to freshly echo by an empty tomb, by a prevailing message and through a growing church that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is alive and is alive forevermore. Let's pray. Yeah. I wonder if you'll pray, friends. I wonder if you'll pray.